0: And welcome to the 18th episode of Project Studio Tea Break I am Mike Senior And standing in at short notice for my John Witten sock puppet Is the real John Witton <laughs> I think I'm more the fake John Witten sock puppet at this time The fan mail The fan mail that guy's received is just just absurd And there is a big shoes to fill joke there somewhere Which I, don't, I can't find Sock puppet would have found that joke yeah. And it would have been great The question is whether I used my hand modelling hand for it or not <laughs> Mike, this is a very, very important question to me Of course, you know, we recorded your last month's segments entirely separately Yeah Was there really a sock puppet? I want to believe (laughs) I really want to believe this is more important to me than I'd want it to be as a, you know, 30-year-old grown-up Well, I want to say that no, 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 I just made it up But it's possible that there may be video evidence forthcoming (laughs) (gasps) Oh my goodness me Of said sock puppet in (laughs) action (laughs) So what, uh, what an emotional roller coaster! I was at first thrilled, but now I realise I'm going to be confronted with what a sock puppet version of me looks like. Yeah, and it would be offensive if you got it badly wrong. But what I'm really worried about <laughs> is that it will look distressingly similar to the flesh puppet version of me, and that's unquestionably worse. So, have you earned your tea break this month, John? I do my best to be humble. It's it's among my many brilliant qualities, but I'm going to go ahead and say that yes. On this occasion, I have abso bloody lootly. And how did the show go? The show went brilliantly, thank you very much. Well-received, some excellent houses. Oh, I'm delighted to hear it. And a gigantic bull puppet, which still gives me joy. <laughs> it had the final performance of this run last night in Cambridge. Oh, wow, so you were on the road. It was a national tour, Mike, from Scotland to the south of England. Right. Via nowhere at all. So it, it was... <laughs> you travelled the length and length of England. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a whistle stop tour without the whistle. All the stops. So you're you're fresh off the plane. Oh, Mike, I'm using complete sentences and polysyllabic words. If I'd been on a Ryanair flight this morning, neither of those things could possibly be true. Don't let these deeply sunken beady eyes and my sallow skin fool you. Confuse you. I've actually had a restful couple of days. I wasn't able to make it back, tragically so the ad and the writer were in charge mm. which is a horrifying thought for if you're a control freak like me what do they know yeah yeah but um i'm sure they managed alright yeah. Without me, he says. Considering. Considering, I'm, and they masked their pain at my absence very bravely. <laughs> as did the cast. They choked back their giggles. They did, they did. They did their best. And then after that, I was in back in London. Lovely. My old stomping ground. A project at the at the, at the Royal Opera House, which was lovely for lots of reasons. Yeah. But primarily because the Bolshoi, bol- the big fancy Russian dancers. <laughs> um, we're rehearsing there at the same time. Oh, wow. Totally unrelated project, but we walked through their break room to get to the canteen. Cool. And a sight like I have never seen. I. Okay. It was full of sofas. Oh, cool. And full of dancers. And so you'd have thought, oh, there must have been dancers sitting on sofas. Mm. When you get to that level of dance, it turns out you don't sit, you drape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you need to imagine is putting, I don't know, put, putting a crisp packet in an oven and then just turning it on until it starts like dripping through all the holes between the. <laughs> It's a terrible metaphor So it's kind of sponsored by Dali (laughs) It is, thank you That's a much better metaphor It's more highbrow I'd say (laughs) It is (laughs) You've set the level of the podcast Let me try that again Their rest and relaxation It was almost as if it was sponsored by the surrealist artist And a personal friend of mine Salvador Dali Oh, very highbrow of you John I thought so. I watched you there on Skype, rustling through your crisp packets, looking for something to say, and it just—I just thought, darling. Yeah. So absolutely boneless draping and looks of aloof, bored disdain on their faces, and having to even exist. Are you sure you didn't walk for a perfume commercial being filmed? <laughs> I'm not It's kind of Lots of beautiful Boneless people Draped over the scenery aloofly. 100% honestly I am not confident That that wasn't the case (laughs) Now If it were Then I ruined it (laughs) (laughs) Me and my Clomping troop Of actor friends Oh dear Um how about you? How about you? Have you earned this tea break? Oh, I think I kind of have. Mm. I've been like a couple of weeks in the UK traveling around, meeting various people. Jet setter. Absolutely. And then going off with the family and camping down in a campsite in Naples somewhere and just doing absolutely nothing kind of off grid. Oh, lovely. In the meantime, as you will know, I, I played football with my computer and <laughs> and had to get a new computer sorted out. And then coming back, it's like this mental, everything's been taken apart. Keep uh, yep, finding yep. things that aren't plugged in. Things that have been stored at kind of opposite ends of the room have managed to become tangled. Yeah. Somehow, just crawling towards each other over the floor. But now I feel we should get on to the listeners. Well, let's do that. Seeing as they're listening. They've got off too lightly in this episode so far. We have follow-up from one of our Patreon supporters. Hello, Tom. Hi, Tom. And he has sent a (laughs) link to a most fabulous piece of real-life Toast Foley. A cathedral of the Toast Foley artists' (laughs) art. (laughs) I think think this absolutely is our holy place. This is our pilgrimage now. And it is from a 2006 film with Jack Black in it called Nacho Libre. And there's a sequence where (laughs) he, as a monk, pushes a plate of toast under the door of a nun he fancies. And And they end up sitting there facing each other, just crunching toast wordlessly. Incredible. (laughs) And as Tam pointed out, not only is it a grade high up in the mixed toast foley but it's also binaural because <laughs> you get the stereo thing of them eating their toast at different sides of the image it is the justification for the foley department in in one scene yes i think it's so classic it's so true that the diamond lives in the rough that the the rose amongst the thorns you know that the narrow the straight and narrow path is never easy look no one wants to watch Jack Black Vehicle Nacho Libre. No one one wants to do that, but in order to get to this bit of toast foley, if the price is, you know, some mildly racist <laughs> crotch-hit slapstick. What do you mean? <laughs> I thought he was Mexican. I made the mistake of watching 20, 30 seconds past the toast foley. <laughs> what, just hoping they'd crunch that toast again. And oof, oof. Well, if you think that's bad, there's an even worse crime being perpetrated. Oh, oh dear, a serious voice. I was shocked. And, and appalled? I mean, the toast foley may be top-notch. But the toast continuity guy should be shot. <laughs> Tell me more Because if you look closely After his first bite You see that there's a clear bite into the toast And one corner of it has kind of slightly fractured off And is hanging by a little whisker okay. And the next shot it's a completely different piece of toast <laughs> And it changes about three or four times Through that scene Without him taking another bite It's like they don't really care about toast continuity How large is the monitor That you were watching this on That a slightly bent <laughs> fractured pieces of toast It's the full home thing Theatre treatment. Look, let's be honest, it's not an exciting scene. No. But surely you had something else to look at besides (laughs) (laughs) this forensic analysis (laughs) of a corner of toast. Another follow up from another patron. Darius is back. Hey, Darius. Following up on our patron extra about uh, hand modelling. Absolutely. And he was making a very valid point that it's not actually that much of a surprise that musicians generally have nice-looking hands. Yeah. For two reasons. Firstly, that they actually use their hands and arms a lot, so you'd expect them to be fairly well-trained in some way if you play an instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to have some kind of muscle control. Some kind of coordination, yeah. And a lot of instruments require good nail care. (laughs) I mean, you're a guitarist. Do you need to worry about the state of your nails for that? Well, it's funny to say that. I'm starting to learn flamenco guitar at the moment. Oh, my God. An early phase of that is known in Sevilla as being really, really bad at flamenco guitar. (laughs) (laughs) It's called strumming slightly faster. Slightly faster, slightly harder. (laughs) Having sore fingers all of the time. Oh, God, yeah. And, as you say, nail care is necessary there. Yeah. Not so much because it sort of finesses the sound or or it adds anything particularly sophisticated. Just if you don't look after them, you won't have any fingers left after a couple of weeks. So you'll just kind of sand them down to stubs. I wonder whether you can get, like, special veneers. (laughs) You can go down to the nail salon. Uh, I'd like some uh, flamenco guitar veneers, please. And they'll be special, like, titanium in Reinforced. You joke. <laughs> but... Okay, oh, I'm, I'm touching a nerve here. <laughs> no, this was when I first started painting my nails. Oh, right. It was because I had a classical guitar gig which had, like, a couple of flamenco songs in it. Mm. And I was starting to mess up my fingernails. Oh, okay. And I said to the singer, because he used to be a guitarist, ah. I said, how on earth do I stop this happening to my fingers? And he said, ah, you've got to paint your nails. <laughs> Did he suggest a, a flamenco colour? He didn't. He didn't. He may have wished that he had. Revlon's spe- special flamenco formula. And the next day when I came in with red nails, which I loved the look of, you know, something <laughs> awoke, obviously, and all the rest of that, um, uh, he said, John, there's clear nail varnish. <laughs> How was I to know? This, was a, this is a new world for me. You were woke, but you weren't that woke. <laughs> no! <laughs> Not to know, but even when I did know, I thought, well, if you're gonna paint your nails, paint your nails. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like a an, inv- an invisible hat. Darius was also kind enough to send a link to another choir, not the one I was recording, mm. but a, a similar one called uh, Perpetuum Jazzale, doing exactly the same kind of storm creation technique a cappella. Oh, the same storm foley? Yeah, but I've put my, like, recorded one up on the Patreon extras as well. Okay. So you can compare that and the live thing, get an idea of what it looked like, and then the uh, actual final result. So do you have any idea when they stole your idea? Well, I mean... <laughs> or, or when they were planning on crediting? I was wasn't going to say anything but <laughs> even if their video predates this by several years <laughs> oh it hardly seems important now you're just no it is nitpicking <laughs> john you travel a lot with instruments yes and i just wonder whether you could share your thoughts about how easy or not it is to take a guitar on a plane Honestly, 10 years ago, it was very possible. <laughs> and and I, I I got away with it way more often than I should have done these days. If you've not bought a seat from it, I'm going to say it's completely impossible. So what do you do with it? I mean, do you just stick it in the hold home for the best? Or uh, For me, I spend more money than I'm comfortable admitting on flight cases. Right, good. Um, which could essentially be dropped from the plane mid-flight and only damage what they landed on. Yes. And then, yeah, chuck them in the hold. It, I don't know another way of doing it. Of course, I keep forgetting that you have that extra box of short padding around the inside yes, of the. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Right, high-density foam. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to do, and of course my. Violinist friends do just bill for a second seat on the plane. Mm. And sometimes they get two meals, which is quite cool. Oh, that is quite cool, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. An ancillary benefit. I mean, honestly, they should bloody insist on it. <laughs> I think so. That's my Can opinion. I have a second pair of headphones, please? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I only see one packet of peanuts here. Yeah. Bought two seats, want two sets of peanuts. I, I think that's entirely reasonable. Anyway, so, fresh from the SOS news pages, I have good news for you. Oh, yeah? And it's also perfect for the toast-obsessed listener Because it's from a company called R&D 64, and it's called Jammy Guitar. Jammy Guitar. Which is an electric guitar for practice purposes. Okay. So bear with me, right? This thing is pretty much a full-length guitar-style fretboard thing. It's like if you took the fretboard on the whole center section of the guitar. Okay. You know you can get some guitars that have no body at all and just the neck. It's like that. Okay, I can imagine that. It's got real strings with adjustable tension. Okay. So you can adjust it to how you want it to feel. Mm -hmm. You can even restring it if you break a string. Mm -hmm. It has 15 full-size frets, not quite as much as a proper guitar, which is like 20, 22. But it's a good chunk. But you can take it apart. You can basically break it in half. Whoa. The strings on both parts of the Divide are independently mounted. Okay. So the strings you strum are different strings than the ones you fret on. Now, a very quick note to say that being able to be broken in half is a... Feature shared by almost all guitars. The tricky one... (laughs) is making it playable afterwards. Yes. Now, if it can do that as well, Mike, then I'm excited. You can (laughs) reassemble it. Okay. And because you can break it in half, you can get it to like a 17-inch length and you can fit it inside your carry-on case. Blimey. Furthermore, there are three other bits that kind of flat pack as well, that you can strap onto it so much like Man With A Golden Gun. I mean, I just feel it's like... <laughs> I would, most of the joy of having this thing would not be in playing it. It would be just nonchalantly getting it out of your case and putting it together in a kind of a Day of the Jackal style way. <laughs> and Basically, most of your time will be spent talking to people about how great it is that you can pack this thing up into bits. Right, sure. It's battery powered and generates its sound, not from the strings directly but via sample triggering. Okay. But the strings are capacitative, so it can detect where your fingers are on the strings. Oh, that's so clever. Whether you're muting, whether you're string bending. So it is apparently surprisingly natural to play In the same way you would play an electric guitar. That's remarkable. And because it creates all the sounds inside, Mm -hmm. it actually has a quarter-inch jack on it. You can stick to a regular guitar amp and play electric guitar through a regular guitar amp. Yeah. You can plug headphones in it and listen to it directly in your headphones with, like, onboard emulation effects, you know, all the usual kind of drive. Of course. And it it can emulate an acoustic guitar and a couple of different electrics and various sounds. Of course, because it's all sampled. Furthermore, the um, information it generates from the actual physical controller is not stored as audio, it's stored as MIDI. Huh. It has a USB-C connector on it, on it that you can connect to your computer and use it as a MIDI controller. So you can play in MIDI? Yeah. Even without a computer connected, you can record MIDI directly on the thing itself, export it to the computer later if you want, mm-hmm. you can connect it to a little uh, phone app <sighs> that'll do little backing tracks and metronome and stuff. That sounds kind of amazing. Okay, so here's where I'm at with this product at the moment. Yeah. It sounds incredible. The theory sounds so clever. And you're beginning to worry why I'm telling you about it. <laughs> well, no, sometimes we talk about things we love. Yeah. Does it, does it sound great? Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and here now, we go. This is the tricky thing about it. Mm-hmm. It's sound, if you think about the technology behind it, I think is pretty impressive. But this is the thing that tickled me most about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Was on the company's website, they have various pull quote endorsement from other people's sites. Mm-hmm. And it was just full of stuff that basically seemed to be implying that the thing sounded terrible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, and these are the, the quotes they had chosen to pull? It's so good. I have to read you some of them. Yes, please. Right, the first one, the one that pops up, I think when you load the site up, is from Tom's Guide. Mm-hmm. It says... I spent a few minutes noodling around with Jammy while connected to a standard amplifier and was impressed by both how light and comfortable the guitar was to use, (laughs) as well as how it more or less felt and sounded like a standard guitar. It's like, you know, if you get someone's report card and and it says something like, well, I can't fault little Johnny's punctuality It's kind of (laughs) a thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's damning with irrelevant praise. I plugged this into a standard amplifier and was immediately impressed by the colour. Exactly. Here's another one from Engadget. <laughs> if you travel but want to practice guitar, there are options. But I don't really trust the TSA and the airlines not to bust a nice acoustic travel axe. Jammy's come up with a solution. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like so, implying that it's not a nice acoustic travel axe. So, so there are solutions and this could be considered to be among them. Another one for you. As a guitar player that has given a fair share of these types of instruments a try over the years, the longer neck is certainly a welcome addition. <laughs> <laughs> and this is another one that I categorised in a slightly different, um, slightly different category, which was that basically it just shined a really poor light on the on where they'd got the quote from. Oh, yeah. This is from T N W. This poor quote. In case you're wondering, I couldn't detect any latency playing the two guitar chords I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much in that sentence. <laughs> and it goes on. Still, as far as I can tell, there isn't anything else quite like it on the market. It's like, wow, well, from the guy who only knows two titles. <laughs> I was going to say, this, how close to the bottom of the barrel do you have to be to see that one and be like, oh, God, yeah. This is the person we want as an ambassador for our brand. Now, the only source for a quote that I recognised in the entire list was Guitar World which is actually a fairly well-recognised website. Okay. Their quote was, Ever wanted a guitar that can fit snugly into your backpack? Well, a new guitar called the Jammy might be just what you've been looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what they've done is they've pulled out as a pull quote that like intro text that you get at the top of a news piece. The tagline, this is what <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, the, the, the bit to try and get you to read the article rather than anything they actually said about the product. And you think, well, maybe it's a review, but no, I followed the link and it's actually the news piece where they're basically regurgitating their press release. So they're just saying this product exists. <laughs> so I just thought that was such a brilliantly poor selection that of pull marvellous. quotes. But the thing is, Actually, I think the product is quite good as a concept. If you want something, that's a controller that you can use stuff on the go. And actually, the best advert for it, I thought, Hmm. was something that the the guy who's clearly the founder of the company, Hmm. he did a really impressive demo where he took his jammy guitar and his phone and one of the little iRig things, the little portable audio interfaces for your phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. He got into a cab and over the next 45 minutes, in the back of the cab, put together an entire track in GarageBand. That's cool. He triggered the auto drums from GarageBand. He played guitar parts from the guitar itself, recorded them in via the iRig. Yeah. He used the MIDI controller to do a bass part. He then, when he got to his destination, spent another 15 minutes doing another guitar part and some vocals. And he put a pad in as well with a MIDI controller. Yeah. And I thought, actually, as an on the go music sketch pad thing, that is brilliant. Yeah. And the other thing that really says to me that I can't be too snide about it, despite the very amusing pull quotes, despite the design. is that it has got a massive amount of interest from people several hundred thousand dollars of indiegogo funding they've managed to get really they've now gone into mass production the thing's priced at 500 dollars. that's about what i'd already expect they've had huge numbers of pre-sales and stuff well i tell you this conversation has got me to the point where i'm definitely going to get on youtube and have a bit of a listen because there's so much about it which appeals but even the pre-sales don't really they don't convince me all the way Yeah, because there's this intangible thing which is impossible to get at through a conversation how does it feel when you're playing it? Because I remember forever ago in a, in a guitar shop, I saw a MIDI guitar and I thought that sounds like fun. Yeah. And there were just buttons on the frets instead of strings yeah. and the actual strumming area was slack and lifeless. Uh, yeah. But that could have been described to me in a way that made me excited. To be fair, there are quite a lot of like portable guitar-style controllery things, mm. but this one's interesting because it uses real strings. And the number of performance techniques that it can actually deal with, you know, it can deal with hammer-ons, it can deal with string bends, it can deal with pull-offs, it can deal with palm muting with the left and right hand. Well, see, that's so new. That's a kind of a step change in terms of playability. You don't need to play for the controller, you can play guitar and have it understand what you're doing. Okay. Exciting. I'm going to have a look around. I will let you know my verdict. I think that may be the first time I've ever sold someone a guitar-based product. (laughs) Well, following last month's epic episode-changing face palmage, I feel it's going to be difficult to trump this. But I think if anyone can trump that level of face palmness, I think I can rely on my co-host. Oh, what an intro! Hit me up. <laughs> well, you know, I try not to disappoint, but I very often do, which is what makes me quite such a brilliant host for this segment. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to share a little face palm that I, I started telling Mike pre-recording. Um, just as a casual little story while we were setting up our microphones and trying to remember how Reaper worked. And he said, no, no, stop. I have too many feelings about this. <laughs> this sounds too good. <laughs> so recently been travelling for work and um, went ahead and cleared out my whole like recording area. Cleared the decks, so to speak. Cleared the decks. And as I was saying to Mike, there's two little goblins inside the head <laughs> of every musician. Okay. So you're doodling on your on your piano, your guitar, your pamphlet. Yeah. And you hit upon a certain secret chord, a certain melodic riff that you think, oh, that's quite good. Maybe that's the one that's going to make me the next Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And one of these little goblins says... Um, have you got names for them? Do I? Oh, naturally, I have names for them. <laughs> <laughs> the first... They just slipped your mind. No, absolutely not. I have them entirely to my... Okay, that's okay, right. Well, I'm about to say them, if you'd just let me. The first... One's cool <laughs> Hoffenbach. Okay, yeah. He sounds quite hopeful. He, no, he did. He is. And he says, maybe note that one down. Hmm. Grab a bit of notation paper, turn on your phone's voice note thingy. Whatever. Sounds like a sensible chap. Yeah, Hoffenbach, nice guy. And then there's... Then there's... <laughs> b- I, the readers, unfortunately, may have that deleted by Errol. <laughs> <laughs> He'll just be known as Beep from now on. That's just fine by me. Beep or BT. <laughs> So BT yeah. goes ahead and says, "Um, nah, now you're a musician, aren't you? It'll be okay." Yeah. What, what? are you talking about? You can handle this. I mean, how long have you been doing this job? Well, it's nine notes. Just like have another look at them. Yeah. Surely you'll remember what those nine notes are. You've remembered bigger things than this in the past. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, L- is one of the lies. Mm. It's one of the lies that BT <laughs> tells. And then you know, if you are anything like me, your unfailing experience—the ending to every single one of those stories—is <laughs> to come back from a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and think, "Oh god, what was that called?" Oh god, there was a D in it somewhere. <laughs> was it this? No that that sounds oh, that sounds like the worst thing I've ever played. Was it this? Oh god, it's a new worst thing I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just the sound of Hoffenbach gently slapping his forehead in the in the background. <laughs> yeah kind of yes. punctuating it leafing through brochures for long cruises or <laughs> holiday homes in the Maldives it's yes not a not a very pleasant life being hoffenbach so mm. i'm given to understand that is not an entirely unique experience of mine no. but my phase palm this month is of having that experience but with my entire studio setup you played an entire studio setup chord that you couldn't remember <laughs> I did. Well, nearly actually. I'd like to hear that chord, but then I have a feeling it's escaped to a. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, but. So in the Haslian, Halcyon, Halcyon. De- what are the. Halcyon. Is it Halcyon? What does that mean? Where does that come from? I don't know. I meant to look it up, but then I forgot to do it and it's <laughs> now slipped my mind. <laughs> in the. <laughs> you got me there. In the good old days. Yeah before i went away i did have my whole setup perfectly attuned Ah! oh it was imagine it glimmering imagine every time your hand fell albeit carelessly to one side it would just land on an instrument yeah we're ready to receive it the wires were were all perfectly cable tied and snaked like fig tree roots it was like jewelry it was fine weaving It was very similar in many, if not always, to jewellery. And then I I went away for a while and we rented out the flat. And so um, I just kind of put it all in a box. And before I did, Hoffenbach, Mm. uh, who'd just come back from a much-needed rest break, Mm -hmm. he'd had some gardening leave, recovery time. (laughs) And and he said, oh, John, why why not snap a photo first? What an inherently sensible chap he is. You have a phone. Hmm. You're probably already holding your phone as I say this. You're a couple of <laughs> apathetic thumb twitches away. Yeah, we're all in agreement. So I got out my phone and I went to the camera. Oh, and along comes BT. Along comes BT. So It's like, how many wires are there? I mean, it looks like just two or three. <laughs> That's what he said. How many sockets are there? They're different <laughs> plugs, for heaven's sakes. John, mate, you've got this. You're a professional. You're f- Fine. Don't even worry about it. It's perfectly obvious where everything goes. Obvious, yeah. It must be easy to remember. <laughs> and who's got time to take two or three photos anyway? So, <laughs> I come to you now <laughs> from some combination of tangled wires, yeah. mismatched adapters and tears. It's kind of the nest <laughs> that I've built around myself. Oh, the worst bit is when I think I've nearly got it and then none of the wires reach. Sure I use that one, but it's six inches too short. I suppose I could just kind of push my laptop perilously close to the desk. That's one solution I have very genuinely been considering. Well... I can say from recent experience that sometimes doesn't end well. We're trying to have people learn from our mistakes. A friend of mine told me. Did he now? Sounds like a wise man. Mm. So yeah, it's either that or it's just about popping a bit of lighter fluid on the old desk and uh, <laughs> packing a, a clean toothbrush and a change of underwear in a backpack and starting a new life on the on the open road. <laughs> So to all our listeners languishing out there in a desert of ignorance and despair and Swansea, take heart, (laughs) because we are here. What do you have against Swansea? You know, I've never been. It's just in Yes Minister, they always used to make fun of it. Oh, oh, I see. Right. That's That's literally all I know about Swansea. Mm, mm. So apologies. I would probably have chosen Luton or Bradford. Or Milton Keynes. Is it still cool to make fun of Milton Keynes? Oh God, Milton Keynes, yeah. I mean, I've actually lived and worked in Milton Keynes, so I would agree with that 100%. Okay, so maybe it's the kind of thing that you're allowed to say, but I'm not because I, you know I haven't been there. I don't get it. Slough? I live close to Slough too, so. Wow. I can own both of those. (laughs) Okay, great. So to everyone in the slough and Milton Keynes of our listenership. (laughs) Well, I'm afraid we have we have nothing for them, but we do have (laughs) solutions to ignorance and despair. Lovely. And then maybe we'll do like a house hunting segment at the end or something for the other people. Called Other Location, Other Location, Other Location. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else. (laughs) Back on topic, damn you. It is. It's time. It's time for our question and answer segment, which is gonna help with the languishing in ignorance and grief or whatever it was that I said. Mm. So our question this month comes from Tiffany in Brisbane, Brisbane. Brisbane, I would say Brisbane. brisbane (laughs) Tiffany from brisbane Yeah, says, greetings tea breakers. Hello, Tiffany. My 19 year old cousin has recently been diagnosed as a trap rapper. Debilitating. We are working through our grief as a family. Uh, but I had managed to keep some kind of emotional distance until last week when he wrote to ask me if I could make some beats for him. Did he use a Z? <laughs> no, Tiffany used an S. I can only imagine what consonant um, the unnamed relative used. She translated for us. I just have to quickly ask, because mm. I know, you know, you're a bit old. Yeah. You're a bit <laughs> ancient. So, beats. When I talk about trap beats, as I do on a daily basis, mm. Mm. you know, what do you take from that? I mean isn't a trap somewhere between uh, a dog cart and a broom <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> how on earth are you supposed to get an anarchic <laughs> transport reference in there I will never know But <laughs> yeah okay so yeah I, I think I get the trap I, for a mixed review at least that keeps me passably up to date with music stuff so yeah I think I can oh, get the okay, trap of course yep, of course. <laughs> yep. So it's a what, it's a ticker tape dispenser on <laughs> some sort of steroids. To anyone who, who hasn't had the chance to listen yet, mm. Tiffany continues. Needless to say, I don't want to at all. Yes, but the problem is, I do make music professionally. Ah, so I need. <laughs> Love this question. I need some advice on how to make on how to make my beats, utter kryptonite to a trap. Rapper. Oh, right. (laughs) I am open to production techniques for cheesiness. Right. Rhythmlessness. Okay. And then in brackets, while still implying that I was trying to make something decent. (laughs) And unwrappability too. Oh, unwrappability too. This is our task for today. I think my heart immediately goes to the cheesiness. I want to help Tiffany create something that is just so dated. Well, it's difficult, though. That I mean, my touch point for datedness would be the 80s. Uh, but the problem is that a lot of, like, hip-hop and trap stuff has reclaimed 80s cheesiness. Yeah? I think you'd have to go back further to, like, the 50s. Ooh. That kind of cheery Housewives Choice kind of... Yes, yes. I think cheery has got to be our anchor. Mm. Because I've actually been kind of getting into this stuff. And what amazes me is that it can eat anything. Ah, right. It's almost as if if you find a sound that you can't rap to as a rapper, then that's a gold mine, because it just means no one else has done it before. Yeah, and it's interesting, because this is the whole thing that was always with hip-hop too, mm. that a lot of the classic hip-hop tracks have taken things that should be cheesy. Mm. I think we've talked about this before with Annie in Hard Knock Life. We have, which is an absolutely incredible beat. If you could get away with something like that, or <laughs> the, it's like recently you've had, um, like My Favourite Things has come up in an Ariana Grande track, and... There was, uh, if I was a rich man, that was in um, yeah. I think a while back with Gwen Stefani, and again they do this kind of stuff, don't they? And there was a Godless dance remix of Oh My Darling Clementine <laughs> that, <laughs> I've not that heard did that really one. well in the charts. No, I'm not even joking. It oh was God. a Black Eyed Peas did I'm Having the Time of My Life. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, Black Eyed Peas, they are serial offenders. It's, it's endemic. So, so, Yeah, this is tricky. What is cheesy enough to sing a hip-hop track? So, Tiffany, this is our first warning to you. You are on thin ice. Mm. Just a slight misjudgment could make you, you know, the next Dr. Dre. And, you know, I was going to say, <laughs> oh, well, stick a banjo in there and go all country. But, you know, <laughs> you've got the whole Old Town Road thing now. <laughs> yeah. No. That was, I think that's that was... a tricky nut to crack. Yeah. I'm not sure how you'd make it too cheesy. Yeah. Without it potentially becoming a viral hit. Yeah. There we go. I mean, hell, you could stick a sample of Baby Shark in there. In fact, we should. That will be a huge hit. <laughs> have you heard someone on YouTube mixed the Thomas the Tank Engine theme <laughs> with 50 Cent Wrapping? Oh, wonderful. I, I will send you that. And you know what, Mike? It's horrible. It works. I know. I think this might be an impossible task to make something too cheesy. Okay, cheesy is your dead end, which means we need to go harder on the rhythmless and the unwrappability. Okay, right. Rhythmless, I've got some ideas. Okay, what you got? <laughs> God, do I have some ideas? ears <laughs> <laughs> The number of tracks that I've had sent to me that are inherently unmixable for that reason or unwrappable or whatever just have no groove at all so i've got lots of ideas there amazing amazing give us the benefit of your wisdom. right the thing is normally i have to sort it out Mm. so (laughs) so it's like doing the opposite it's breaking it yes so if i were going to break it i've got a whole laundry list of things that i would do first i would use breaks and loops that disagree about the degree of shuffle oh so wait so they phase is what you're telling me no they're different rhythm and percussion loops But they disagree about the swing, yeah. God, that sounds horrible. Yes, great. And and it's even better if you've got different combinations of them for different sections of the song because then the (laughs) amount of swing will seem to change from section to section. Yeah. And that'll really throw your rapper off. They won't know quite how far to swing it. Mm. Yeah, that'd be good. The second one is do something that sounds good and then offset things like 10, 20 milliseconds different ways. (laughs) So some sections of your song where there are only a couple of instruments playing may sound like they're really in the pocket, mm-hmm. and then other bits, when other bits come in and they're slightly ahead, it'll seem like it stumbles when it gets into the next <laughs> section, and it'll seem like it, suddenly it's like slowing down, or... Oh Mike, you're a monster. A... <laughs> what are we doing? What kind of cruelty are we putting into the world? i got another good one. Yes, please. Just make sure the bass doesn't quite agree with where the kick drum is a lot of the time, and mm-hmm. doesn't ever finish on a beat, or on a subdivision of a beat. It always finishes slightly raggedly. Yeah. It's another really good way to make something not groove and i would just add in the bass is probably the easiest place to add some detune yes without it being immediately obvious that that's what you've done so just 10 cents up or down it's got to sound like you you were trying to make it in tune oh god gotcha. because the problem is the tracks now like for example a good example was um this is america yeah that has a completely detuned face <laughs> and the latest stormzy hit had one like that and um the, the h track that's in the charts at the moment that one has like a tritone bass and it's completely just dissonant in the backing track. Oh, wow. So you can't get too far, otherwise, it'll sound like you meant it and you'll have a hit on your hands. And just, the last thing you want here is a hit. <laughs> otherwise, you're stuck into a construction line of having to do more stuff. Oh, my only other thing would be as and when delay comes in, just slightly desync that. <laughs> So the first first couple of repetitions are like, whack that feedback way up. Oh, yeah. So the first couple of repetitions sound believably in tempo. But also, I would say make your delays slightly too quick. Because if it's a bit too late, that can work. That could be groovy. But if they're too quick, it makes it seem like the whole track's <laughs> dragging. That's what we want. <laughs> That's absolutely what we're after, this eternal feeling yeah. of slow down and kind of grind. Yeah. Also what's fun, if you're kind of cutting tracks out and bringing them in, yeah. don't do that exactly on the bar. <laughs> yep, I go with that definitely. And don't have them all slightly early or all slightly late. Just have that be a really stumbly start. Yep. To a new section when when you bring ones in. Oh, I've got another one. Oh yeah, yes please. Put in rhythm parts that are programmed, mm. and they use too many small subdivisions. <laughs> it's a great way to make a track slow down. Is to labour each individual sixteenth note or thirty-second note in your groove. But wait, wait a minute though, Mike, because this is trap we're talking about. Home of the, like, 128th note hi-hat. Well, yeah, but there, there are gaps in it, aren't there? Oh, my God. Wait, wait, so you mean constant? Yes. Yeah. Something playing on just every Just make sure that there's an event <laughs> happening every 16th note, and it'll make your groove seem to be slower. Oh, my goodness. Especially if there's no velocity variation. Yes, absolutely. Get everything at 127 and just go nuts. <laughs> um, Unwrappability, too was a weird one. I was thinking about this one this morning, trying to unpack it, because mm. it could just be taken to mean the same thing as Rhythmless. But then you got to understand that, of course, for a mumble rapper, the more kind of around the beat you are, the better. Yeah. Like, this is not Sugar Hill Gang anymore. Totally. So my best idea for that older relative Tiffany from Brisbane, don't want to make any assumptions, but I imagine you can't rap at all. So I'd play that to your advantage and just, like, seed your beat with lots of yeahs. And that's right. And that's what my little cousin believes. And just like, so freaking proud of him for doing this all by himself. I remember when he couldn't eat with a spoon. You can get the sly digs in there. That's great. I like that a lot. Give him these posts to kind of work around. I think that's a rich vein because... In order to make hip-hop work, particularly if there are cheesy elements in there, right, you've got to be super self-believing. Yeah, absolutely. A rock, solid sense of ego. And so if it's like, oh, look what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get that kind of patronising thing. that I think that could add to the cheesiness. I think so. I think that might make it more unwrappable, too. Oh, I've just had an idea. Yeah? I think I might have thought of something that is immune to a hip-hop track in terms of cheesiness. I would be pretty impressed. Hit me up. Uh, hair metal style guitar solo? Ooh. You've had riffs and things that like get samples of it, but have you actually had a proper guitar solo? Because, yeah, that's where my mind went first, is that I'm sure I've heard rap tracks with, like, chunks of screaming guitar solo. But if you just let it play out... And the same really could be said for for a saxophone solo, actually. Mm -mm -mm. Another 80s stalwart. I think this is very good. Tiffany, I think you're gonna be fine. This next couple of days when you're putting it together, they're not gonna be easy. (laughs) But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Push through. (laughs) Follow the worst advice we've ever given to the letter. I think the secret is it has to be a combined attack. (laughs) Completely. It's gotta be all fronts at once. You know, if you just go on the one front at once, you could end up inadvertently spawning a viral sensation. You just do the rhythm stuff, then everyone will call it wonky, and apparently that's good now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's got to be absolutely everything. Also, tell you what, here's something. Yeah. Every 16 bars swap genre. (laughs) Because even though (laughs) rap can go any genre, I don't think of it as like progressing through them, flip card style. That is true. Yeah, I mean, trap doesn't have song structures really, does it? No, it starts until it stops. So if you like have a proper chord progression in there and like have a verse pre-chorus chorus, verse yes. pre-chorus chorus middle section. Each in a different genre and each kind of section change preceded by a ba 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 bye and then just into the next thing. I could see that working. Yeah. Oh, I feel good about your chances, <laughs> Tiffany. I really do. And it's a special edition of what's your jam this month because of course last month had our epic toast foley quiz it was a bit of an emotional experience for me just like that, that trip down memory lane yeah it was a journey yeah what what an amazing thing to listen to i mean we have i assume like uh it must have been 16 bits of toast foley to get 10 that actually sounded could kind of possibly like toast mm. I, I thought our hit rate was remarkably good can i tell you though those four Roughly four that didn't make the toasty cut Those are the ones I'm Especially curious <laughs> We'll have an outtakes toast foley quiz The ones that didn't make it I know for a fact I was listening to it That my spraying a deodorant bottle Near the mic didn't make the cut <laughs> And that's alright Yes sadly that one dropped out But can, can you remember off the top of your head What else just was not quite there Um, I think the snare drum one might have gone Because <laughs> I think that's sounded so obviously Like a snare drum I think now, tell me, was it obvious to you which was the real one? I thought it was number two. You thought it was number two? It was obvious, and it was number two, he said, with quite a lot of nervousness. <laughs> and with some justification, because it was number three. Oh! <laughs> oh well. The great thing about it is that when I finally edited it all together, as I was listening through, I thought, Did I edit it right? Is it really number three? I had to go back and check to be double sure that it was. (laughs) So what this means is that we are such good foley artists that we can do more convincing toast foley than the real thing. Than even toast can do. And, in fact, I managed to fool both my daughters too. That's Always every father's dream. The real Toast Foley wasn't even in their shortlist first time round. Oh, <laughs> magnificent, Mike. It was a slam dunk. So um, my big question is, do we have any external submissions? Anyone wanting to put their, their money down on what they thought? We did get some sign-ups to the mailing list, so clearly people are on hooks. Uh, okay, people were curious to know. You know what? This says more about the density of my schedule today than anything else. But I am going to go back and have another listen. Because I, I, I don't know how I could have got that wrong. We do this every month. It's a question of ear training. Obviously, my greater experience of listening to toast on a daily basis. That's what it is. I need to cut cereal out from my life. Right. With that said, uh, it is a new day. So, ladies and gentlemen, I present you with some totally ordinary toast. To add to the growing archive... That was pretty good. I feel like that's even better than my snare drum or my deodorant can, which are hard act to follow. Well, I don't know. It's steady. Okay, so we got some fine whole grain toast, but, Mike, this month you are bringing the jam. What do you have for us here? As... I think most listeners probably will know, and you too, Mm. I have built a good deal of my writing career, and my career in general, actually, on trawling through interviews with engineers and producers and collecting and collating all that information and testing things out. Mm -hmm. So I've probably read and listened to more producer interviews than most people on the planet... (laughs) <laughs> I worked it out once for, for when I did the um blurb for one of my books. Mm. Literally several million words of interviews went into doing the book. Oh my goodness, mate. You know, in print, podcast, videos, <laughs> and like live seminars I went to. That's quite something. Anyway, so I've heard a fair few interviews <laughs> with producers and engineers. <laughs> Suffice it to say. However, most of them have a similar kind of pattern. Mm. You know, it's like How I got to work with Madonna. Mm -hmm. Why I'm so excited about working with Madonna. (laughs) What it was like to work with Madonna. How I wrote, produced, recorded, Mm. mixed stuff I did with Madonna. (laughs) Why I love the sound of my vintage Neve console and Neumann U47s. For Madonna. For Madonna. Basically, that's the bulk of what you get out of most producer interviews. Okay. And it's kind of fun and it's entertaining and it's aspirational in some respects. Mm. But it is a million miles away from the actual experience of people trying to make a living in a project studio environment. Right. And often, actually, the the interviewers are are kind of overly reverential, and they don't think about the people that they're making the interview for and what they'll want to get out of it. So they don't really ask probing questions that would be really useful for you as a working project studio engineer. Right. And on the other side of the equation, if you go for interviews that YouTubers do, mm. often they're like interviewing each other or they're just chatting about stuff, then usually that isn't then aimed at actual professionals. It's aimed at the more the bedroom studio community. Right. So it's not like how I earn a living a project studio. It's more like... How can I sound like the pros from my bedroom? Interesting. Which is a different side of it. And so it misses out this whole bit in the middle yeah, yeah, that is real working people who aren't doing A-list projects but are just doing work every day to earn a living. Doing the work, yeah. Which is a huge number of people, actually. And this is why my jam this month is a podcast. Oh, yeah. Called the Working Class Audio Podcast. Oh, amazing. Uh, have you heard of this one? I haven't, no, but I love the title. It's hosted by a guy called Matt Boudreau, mm-hmm. and he's Basically, just a working audio engineer based in California. Mm-hmm. Really, kind of salt of the earth guy who's been recording for years. At one point, he had a studio that he owned and, and ran. Mm. And now he, he kind of got out of that. It, that wasn't really working for him, and he's working as a freelancer basically now. Amazing. And what's his favorite thing about Madonna? <laughs> what are his funny Madonna anecdotes? What did she say when when she was offered the wrong type of sandwich? Actually, I don't think I've ever heard him mention the word Madonna. Not even a single time. I don't think so. I mean, I've listened My to a goodness. lot of episodes of the podcast. Maybe it's just that. I mean, I'll come on to this, right? You see, he interviews other engineers and producers and people who work in audio. Mm. He's interviewed some like big names, you know, you're Eddie Kramer or Steve Albini or Mark Needham or Chad Blake. Mm. But actually, most of his roster is filled up with people that you probably haven't heard of. They're less well-known, but they're still clearly making a good living in the project studio environment mm. or just in the industry in a more low-key way. Mm. Mm. And that's actually what's so cool about it. These are people talking to exactly the audience that you're talking about. Yeah, and you, you don't hear them saying, oh, when I was in the studio with Madonna and, and when I was in the studio with Bruno Mars, you know, <laughs> thank, it's more like... Thank God you said Bruno Mars. Mike, I was getting worried that you couldn't find any pop culture figure <laughs> other than Madonna. Like, the number Madonna. of times she made a reappearance <laughs> in this description, I just thought, God, Mike, really? Come on. <laughs> get up to Dave, for heaven's sake. But yes, Bruno Mars also exists. I'm good, I'm happy. So yeah, you get the impression the interviewees are real people. You, you get them saying, oh, it was for a... A documentary on Discovery Channel that you probably haven't seen mm. but it's still it's a bit of stuff they were paid for and is out there and it's work mm. people I would think of as peers rather than those A-list people who get to work with Madonna mm. and the thing is he asks a load of less common questions that you rarely ever get in any other kind of interviews mm. about the real mechanics of earning a living as an audio professional so what kind of questions are these What's your attitude to money? Like, do you buy things on credit and then pay it off? Or Uh, how much do you use credit in your life in that respect? Have you had problems with, like, debt in the past? Amazing. How do you make a studio work as a viable concern in terms of paying your employees? And what software do you use to sort out your invoicing? Incredible. I mean, how much of your income comes directly from your audio work and how much comes from maybe consulting or, mm. or teaching? Or do you have a side job? Mm. Can you work full-time doing this? Or is there just not enough income and you have to be a marketing professional for like half the time? Side hustling. and How do you decide what to charge for your time? Yeah. How much do you charge? Oh, wow. So really probing in the guts of questions. Yeah. And in fact, the great thing about when he gets someone really big on the show is that he asks them those kinds of questions Mm. as well. (laughs) It's like, well, have there been difficulties in the past where you've not been able to make ends meet? Mm. Have you had to make decisions that you artistically wouldn't want to make just because you've got to pay the bills? Or have you done things that you felt were better for your life Mm. in terms of moves to a different area or career moves that you knew were bad for your finances, but you did because there were other reasons in your life where you felt you had to do that? Yeah. And he goes into the whole thing of like work-life balance, you know, how does this work with your wife and your kids? And Mm. like, if you have a pet, how does that affect the dynamic in the studio or... And how health conscious are you? Like, do you exercise regularly? How do you... Uh, uh, what's your, what are your eating habits? It's brilliant. Mike, this sounds incredible. And of course, a question that is always close to our hearts. It's one of the reasons why I really warmed to him in the first instance when I was listening to him. Mm-hmm. Is that He's asking them, well, can you give me an example of a huge mistake you made that you really learned from? <laughs> <laughs> we are members of the same tribe. I'm getting the distinct I th- I impression. So. But as a result of this, it's often a really inspiring listen in a in a real way. It's not just aspirational. You see someone who's been in a situation like you've been in, mm. or an even worse situation than you've been in, mm. and they've found a way around it. And it might be a situation you're in already at the moment, and they've already got through and seen where they're going. Mm. And gives you, like, real ideas of where to spend their money and whether they've spent money and actually how much of a shoestring they can get along (laughs) on. They can can survive with. The agreements they've made with their family and, and, like, how much time they spend with their kids and when they do that. Making it work. People getting it together. Yeah, and they're, like, making recommendations for stuff that isn't which 192 kilohertz AD mm. converter do I go for? <laughs> it's more like, well, yeah, I got along with a Focusrite 2i2 for a while, and I think mm. I'm going to upgrade to an eight-channel version <laughs> next year. It's like, <laughs> that's much more useful. Yeah. So that is the working-class audio podcast. Especially in what is... By its very nature, quite a solitary vocation. It sounds like it's finding community there. Yeah. And, you know, these commonalities with other people doing similar stuff. Yes. Nicely done, Matt Boudreau. That sounds really cool. I will be giving you a lesson later today. Except you can't say Matt Boudreau in just an ordinary way. Oh, yeah? The thing is that in the introduction to his podcast, mm. he has this professional voiceover artist who sounds like one of those guys who does the announcements for the wrestling. Oh, wow! <laughs> and so it's like, this is the working class audio podcast. Cat with Matt Boudreau. <laughs> so I always find it difficult to say Matt Boudreau in any way that isn't like Matt Boudreau. Matt Boudreau. <laughs> you do it much better than I do. <laughs> More time spent wrestling. Um, <laughs> do you have a favourite episode that you'd recommend people to start at? A favourite episode, or is episode? it really just pick any of the two hundred? I would say if you're going to start anywhere, start with the episodes where you don't know the people. Oh, for example, I've just finished listening to one by Fella Davis. I mean, she's someone I'd never heard of, but she just has this great life story, all these different types of engineering she's done throughout her career and how she's ended up doing, like, front of house for Christian McBride. Right. I mean, there are some great ones with people that you do know, like the one with Mark Needham's great, Mm. and the one with Steve Albini's also great, saying, well, yeah, it's difficult to run a studio at this day and age, Mm. and the way I run it is by doing it this way. Okay, so start with learning about someone new. I definitely would, yeah. Great. It's so much more accessible. Yeah. And they they say things that you can relate to. And also occasionally, you know, I'm hoping he moves into a few Madonna anecdotes here and there because <laughs> what is what is a podcast without yeah. at least six or seven daily <laughs> mentions of Queen Madge? Once more, the episode sadly draws to a close. But we do still have time to thank our sponsors for this month. I should hope so. Total Recall Productions. Total Recall Productions. With their new app, the Flashback Studio. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God, Mike. You see, judging by your earlier face palm mention, (laughs) this is something I think you could have used. Oh, Mike. (laughs) This is an app for your phone, which allows you to take a photo of anything in your studio Uh and at a later date, (laughs) Come back and look through the camera and set the transparency of the photo that you took previously against what you're seeing through the camera so that you can match what you're seeing with the photo that you took before Mm -hmm. as a direct overlay. I don't think you realise quite how close to the bone... (laughs) And emotionally raw. So I, I think clearly they already have one enthusiastic customer wow. ready to purchase, already heading over to the app store. Oh, God, name your brand. So, um yeah, thanks very much to Total Recall Productions for sponsoring this month's episode. Thank you so much, Total Recall. Why didn't you exist a couple of months ago? oh my goodness you can use it for live room setups cable configurations for example uh, patch based setups Mm -hmm. outboard settings Mm -hmm. you can take pictures of your mixer it's got so many applications it does (laughs) how much can someone expect to pay for this fantastic new application well um it's based on a kind of uh headbanging model right depending on how loud the face palm is through the microphone (laughs) it scales the pricing accordingly wow okay can see through the camera that your your head has already a palm shaped indent in it then i mean you could pay as much as 44.99 right but if you can keep your cool and make sure that everything in the picture looks very well organized then you might just get it for adware i don't know 199 something like that okay wow it's a strange sliding scale but this is a new era of technology and pricing (laughs) okay (laughs) There's some interesting incentives in there. One for everyone to grab a copy of, I think. And of course, if you too would like to support the podcast, then please head over to our Patreon site. And pledge whatever you like. There's all sorts of extras now on there. Outtakes, bonus news items, Q&A. This month, we have audio of that um, Thunder recording I did with the choir that I mentioned uh, a couple of episodes ago. Oh, yes. And, of course, a special news item that we weren't able to squeeze into our Superbooth episode a couple of episodes ago Mm. about the Rossum Electro Music Panharmonium Mutating Spectral Resynthesizer and Trident Multisynchronic Oscillator Ensemble. (laughs) A good three quarters of that segment is us just saying the name. Anything you're plugging this month? As ever, I'd like to plug our socials which as modern men of the 21st century we naturally have. We are at Twitter. (laughs) We are on Twitter. you visibly deflated there. Here we go. We am in Twitter at <laughs> twitter.com forward slash PSTV tweets. We're at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PSTB books. And we can be emailed at tea break at Project StudioTbreak.com. And in fact, if you go over to our website, you can sign up to the mailing list where we will be sending a mail out with all the links to the nonsense that we've talked about in that episode. And at the end of this month, um, the first week of next month, and then a bunch at the end of the Between now and Christmas, I'm in a show (laughs) called uh, Mountain Music. Oh, cool. By Little Bulb Theatre. We're performing in Farnham Malting, and then around the UK. Um, So go to littlebulb.co.uk to see those tour dates. Um, and if you're in the audience with a Project Studio Tea Break T-shirt, then you get a little wave—a Yeah. A super unprofessional wave from me, like when I'm not doing any talky bits or playing the banjo. <laughs> One with the like uh, little wiggly fingers. Yes, absolutely. Like I'm six mm. and you're my dad. That's going to be our vibe. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, Project Studio Tea Break T-shirts don't exist yet. We're working on that. Um, so you are going to have to make your own <laughs> for the time being. For this interim grace period, I will accept homemade Project Studio Tea Break t-shirt so it only remains for me to say goodbye from me and the sock puppet and John